Hello, my name is Robert Higgins. And I'm Kate Tuxford. And this is episode 44 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms, from the perspective of writers just like you. This week, we are talking, we're going to do a deep dive. Kate Tuxford and I are going to do a deep dive into our favorite, uh, by committee, um, one location movie, the one I love, because we're both sort of in that indie film space. And I feel like, you know, it would be really beneficial to sort of espouse, like, uh, we'll give a, a, a big example of what we're constantly preaching on this podcast week after week. So we're going to do a deep dive on The One I Love, um, the film starring Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. Um, it's, With a guest appearance of Tony Danza. Yeah, the, uh, Ted Danson. Oh, Ted Danson. Oh my God, it's too early. Can Tony you Danza. Wrong that would be an Ted interesting film. Danson. That would be it's an interesting film. I'm sorry, it's like Ted Danson. I know, because it's at house. But yeah. yeah, all right. Um, but oh before we get to all of that. That and, made me record this really early. And yeah. I don't promise anybody that I am lucid. We're going to allow Kay uh, to wake up by talking about what is screenwriting Twitter fighting slash talking about this week. And the first thing we're going to talk about, speaking of indie film, uh, not that this is really that, but the guy, one of the guys from Mumford and Sons uh, had Steven Spielberg film uh, a music video for him on an iPhone this week, and the collective internet lost their shit about it um, for like half a minute. Everybody was like screaming about Steven Spielberg legitimizing the mobile platform by shooting something on a phone. Although I will admit, Kate Tuxford, there's a very cute photo of Cape Capshaw like pushing Steven Spielberg forward in a chair, like in a rolly chair, and oh him just gosh. holding the phone. It's cute as it's cute as a button. Oh my god, uh, I see it right here. I already looked it up. <laughs> oh, it's cute as a button, isn't it? So it's so cute. cute. Oh my God, it's the cutest. We'll, we'll have to have a link to it just so everybody. Yeah, we'll gotta. It. I will put try and put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it's it's the cutest thing, Kate Tuxford. Um, you know, and everybody was kind of like spilling all their digital ink about the fact that Steven Spielberg is shooting something on a phone. It, it's it's legit now. The master has decided to be <laughs> shoot on a phone. Oh. And then they well, were like, all of the, the the articles seemed to end with like, don't worry, folks, he's not switching to a phone for the, you know, like, like, don't worry. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this I see at the end of this article, it goes, well, Spielberg <laughs> ventured outside of his bubble and into the music industry. The director is back in his comfort zone. Right, uh, exactly. Right. Okay, okay. Well, you know, good for him. Yeah, so, a- oh my God. But yeah, it was interesting because, you know, it was, um, yeah, like mobile, we both know that mobile phones have been a thing for a hot minute, like more than a hot minute at this point. They've they've been like, you know, it's a viable option. I mean, we've had enough, like just shoot it on your iPhone uh, arguments on Twitter um, so that (laughs) like, Steven yeah. Spielberg is late to this party. I, um, you know, it's no, just... but it, I think it, I think it is number one. I, I think hopefully, I would hope that as a as a director and filmmaker, I hope when I'm Steven Spielberg's age, and <laughs> you know that there's something fun and new in the tech that I get to enjoy. So <clears throat> I'm not I'm not mad at it. Well, I think hopefully this at that that. The, the point where we're both like, you know, Spielberg's age, like if we're pushing 70, 80, um, or in our 80s, you know, we'll be shooting films like uh, like Tony Stark style, like, you know, doing this whole whoop, whoop, like kind of like, uh, like holographic display, like moving things around. That would be cool as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of uh, A-list directors, uh, we have Jordan Peele. The other, the thing that sort of broke Twitter, this sort of overblown joke that really just got out of hand. Um, we had this, <laughs> had a filmmaker, uh, no, so a uh, comic book creator, Adam Ellis, who yes. tweeted uh, Wednesday morning, um, can you think of another horror director that had three great films, let alone three in a row? I can't. And he was talking about, you know, Jordan Peele. 
uh, as Note comes out this week. And Jordan Peele's response to it was, sir, please put down the phone, which was a brilliant response. And, it, you know, it's it it classic Jordan Peele. It was a great joke. And to his credit, Adam Ellis really thought it was funny. He was really going, but then the internet sort of took that as its collective, like, uh, duty to just start dunking on this person. Um, Adam Ellis? Yeah, they just, there was just everybody in the in the free world just started dunking on him. It was just like, it was <laughs> yeah. like they literally. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. But it was literally like they set up a slam dunk contest and they just lowered it so that even children could like do it. Um, and then. Well, yeah, I was going to say Jordan Peele, the whole point is Jordan Peele still felt like uh, John Carpenter. He doesn't hold a candle to John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he sort of came through and was like, I, you said he wouldn't appreciate any slander of John Carpenter. Um, and that was great. And, you know, it was, again, classic Jordan Peele. Um, and, you know, but then, like I said, it literally just became one of those, like, those slam dunk contests with a, with a trampoline, um, Twitter style. And it was just, you know, people were just lining up for their takes. And then once the subtweet had happening, then it was like, oh, okay, they're all, they're, they're now doing the slam dunk competition all over town. Um, everyone has signed up for the slam dunk. It's now mainstream. It's no longer a subtweet. It's just a tweet. Yeah, it's just uh, it was it, it was forever. Um, it was just a lot, um, and, and people were talking about it. And then it sort of that's how it sort of ended up because I was like, I came into it, and people were already doing like had had memed the subtweet. That's what that's when you know it's gone mainstream when the when the subtweet becomes a meme. Um, like, you know, uh, that, what's the one that, that it's going around, uh, sex is great, but have you ever, like, yeah. that's, yeah. Or like, she's a 10, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the subtweet becomes a meme, um, that's a, that's a thing. We should copyright I that mean, or the something. Bolded, yeah, it's like the bolded slug lines are definitely a meme now. Of oh, yeah, Twitter somebody Twitter. did that. I saw that last night on Twitter where somebody was talking about Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith released. Uh, page from his newest screenplay and somebody was like you know here we are talking about bolded or underlined in terms of screenplays and then here's Kevin Smith just releasing these regular ass boring slug lines and then like <laughs> 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 and like somebody was just like ah, you know he's just Kevin Smith he's like yeah but I wish he would pick a fucking side um but it was just you know it was yeah. Were some bolded and some not bolded? They were not bolded. They were just regular. Yeah, that's the I'll, I'll tell then. you what. Here's the here's the uh, the thing. He was just doing it ext no dot, oh. no dot after the e ext. I mean, that's that's it's an abbreviation of exterior. So grammatically, I guess, but it's not like people get too confused. I was confused, K. Tuckford. Well, you I were not confused. confused. Don't not. even. Yeah. I was going to say, of all the things to put in a screen, <laughs> like, to avoid in a screenplay, the dot after ext is not going to do it. Um, yeah, I just I don't even do interior exterior. Um, I notice. <laughs> I don't do it. I've evolved, Kate Tuxford. I don't uh, know if it's evolution or you you make your own shooting script because it would be maddening if you handed that to somebody else and they had to figure out all the interiors and exteriors i will fucking do it show. i will fucking do You'll it do i can't, it. Yeah, I can't wait till i get on like a like a million three million dollar like like set and then just hand a, uh, a shooting script with scene numbers and no fucking interior exteriors in the whole fucking thing that makes None you a monster it. that makes you a monster <laughs> They're going to start setting up outside a coffee shop when you want inside a coffee shop. There's some sort of like line producers just like cringing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I was like that you're a monster. Um, and, and every line producer in the world is with me on this. You're a monster. And they're, they're going to be like, you know what? You're, your scenes are all going to be in outer space. Done. Exterior space. <laughs> Fuck yourself, Higgins. I hate you. Walking yeah. out the city. Is it day? Is it night? No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Why are we here? Um, this <laughs> this man is a madman. Yeah. There's no interior or exteriors in any of his fucking slug lines. Oh, uh, that's uh, great.
Uh, I left it that too hard, but it's fine. You did. Fine. You did. Uh, I don't know why. Why that's why is that nerd shit so funny? It's so funny. Um, uh, because I think we do get caught up in the minutiae in, in yeah. a little bit. And then in other ways, some of that stuff is actually really important for filmmaking. And right. Sometimes, yeah, it. like, you know, because you know, the screenplay isn't a blueprint until it's a shooting script and then it's a blueprint. Um, yeah. Like one like, time I, I had, a, I was reading a script for a contest and this is years ago and the person, we'll keep them anonymous, but gave me a slugline and said, exterior dash day. And I was just, just like, outside. <laughs> just outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just, you know, when it happens, I always just pictured like when I'm reading it, it's like that Google Street View suddenly are just like plummeting to the earth and just getting pulled down somewhere. <laughs> like, where am I? You're outside now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Where the fuck are we? Where are we supposed to shoot the scene? Outside, I don't know. Go out in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> fucking A. Exterior day. <laughs> yeah. Oh Keep my that God, that's the best. That is the best. I'm going to just like, I'm yeah. going to hold that inside me like a, like a, like a internal ball of sunshine. Just like, <laughs> just to make me feel better about myself. Oh, but it's just, you know, someone is still getting used to like, what is a scene heading? How does it? Look? I don't know. There you go. There's where what you the can fuck? go awry. Oh, filmmakers can be like, I can't do. Well, I mean, I can exterior day. I mean, we do. We yeah. we get into a lot of stuff about slug lines because you know they like they like I you know slug lines and I have enough information in the case of the exterior day and then slug lines having like too much information where it's like exterior day park uh you know down the street um you know, will park down the street uh dash day um 1995 um flashback <laughs> you know what i mean it's, it's a lot it's like it's, it's, a lot. A lot. it's a lot um you know there's there's ways to do it and it's it's like it's an ever-moving target you know, um, but like there's there is a, like a functional sort of thing. And I do think that there is something about like sort of the same way that, you know, not everybody needs to if you're, you're talking about doing a depth like a, shooting a film. Not everybody likes to do films with a lot of like um, depth of field where you, everything is blurred. The entire background is blurred out. That's the way I sort of feel about slug lines. Like if you want to do a bold or like it's like italicized slug line, it's very much like shooting a, like a shot with like everything blurred out in the background. You're making sure that slug line is going to stand out because you want people to read it because it has information that people need to know. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you just kind of like, oh, you, you know, you're not really worried about it. Just kind of like exterior, like, you know, park, like day, like there it is. And it's just, out there and you're just like kind of like you know but then some people just like to shoot wide like look at carol graham's films um i so, like to shoot wide i like i like that yeah uh, personally yeah i mean it's just uh it feels more like the eyeball um i always i was getting i'm not mad but frustrated uh when it's not wide enough because i'm like but i can see all these things i want to see them yeah i, I was recently watching who framed roger rabbit not to whatever get off topic but like we I, I was watching it and not only what like i was i went through my whole life thinking that was two four one only to realize when i got then i saw it when in a theater that it's one eight five it's one eight five and not only that but almost every shot is a wide or a master mm -hmm. Well, they had to get all the cartoon characters in there. Mm -hmm. But it, it, I'll tell you what, like you just, I wouldn't, ex I wouldn't think that you could do a movie like that just in a, just like in Wides and Masters, but damn it, damn it fucking Zemeckis isn't making that shit work. Like, whoo, whoo, yeah. it's yeah. hot. Uh, but speaking of doing a deep dive into, uh, or, you know, sort of the minutia the, the of- one I love, yeah. right. yeah. Um, which we're going to link this in the show notes so people can check out the movie, right? Yes, it is currently streaming on HBO Max. Um, I was watching it last night and again this morning. Um, and so, yeah, like, 
Uh, I, we always talk about on this show, because we're sort of, because we're indie film ourselves, uh, Kate Tuxford and I, we very much appreciate the, um, the indie ingenuity. Well, like one location movies, but also indie ingenuity, sort of like the, the mastery of the format of being able to transform, um, you know, one location and, and, and a very simple premise into a film that people can enjoy and I feel like we were talking about it this week um if we were trying to figure out like what other you know because there are very much there are you know one location movies most notably of course the classic um 12 Angry Men um you know like yeah uh, yeah, it's based on a play so that makes a little I mean right Uh, you know one act plays but mm -hmm. always enjoyed one locations yeah yeah. Um, uh yeah no 12 Angry Men people quote Reservoir Dogs a lot, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of flashback to other locations as well. Uh, one of my friends did one called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek that's all in one location. It's a really great like first project, I think, for a lot of filmmakers. And I get that note. I actually got that note this week, and it's so weird to me because people keep quoting The Standoff at Sparrow Creek at me. Because um, they were just like, somebody said to me this week, like this producer was like, you know, you write action if you or if you write something action or genre adjacent that's something like the the, the standoff the at stand Sparrow, Sparrow Creek, Creek, and you're like, I can sell that, I can sell the shit out of it, and I'm just kind of like, okay, um, okay, um, yeah. and I have written those movies, to be fair, but you yeah, know. I was gonna say, as yeah. you saw that one get mm-hmm. written, yeah, uh, yeah, I wrote that, and one. I, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, it's not, it's a, yeah, you already do that, um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standoff is Sparrow Creek. Maybe I'm just thinking of Henry, the guy who wrote it, but very terse conversations and like paranoia. Paranoia. Yeah, exactly. They just yeah. get more and more paranoid. So that really kind of spins, spins its, you know, itself yeah. into it. And it's not really genre. The, they, the word that they use, and I think it's appropriate, is genre adjacent. Yeah. Where it's like you want people to think that it's going to like erupt into gunfire and stuff like that. Because the whole point of like standoff at Sparrow Creek is you keep hoping that it's going to just like erupt into like John Wick 2. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it doesn't, it, it never does. Um, but yeah, so. Um, I mean, it is a standoff. Once yes. you start firing the gun. It's no longer a standoff. It's, it's, no a, it's a Robert a Rodriguez movie. Uh, um, so I think I think it is in the title, but people ex- exactly do yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, the one I love is... I should say that there is gunfire in it by the end. You know, yeah, guns are fire, but but uh, the one I love is is a one location movie that is is really really uh, is I feel like there's a it does so much. There's so much in it that. Um, it, it feels like like a masterclass in like one location movie making because it does like all the things that like they tell you to do, like make a movie in one location with two actors, not yeah. counting Ted Danson, although we should count Ted Danson because we don't want him to be Tony Danza. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but make a one location movie with two actors um, but you also want to find, uh, you know, two, um, you want to also want to give roles to those two actors that is something meaty that, that they can di- that they can sort of dig into. And I yeah. don't know that there's anything that really like they're playing multiple versions of themselves, um, which are not really multiple versions of themselves. Like they're playing like sort of not versions of themselves. Yeah, we should, we should do a quick plot rundown for the people who haven't seen it. Today. All right, take it away, Kate Tuxford. What yeah, is, I was going to say, just, this, is, this is just so you can follow along if you haven't seen this movie. Um, so basically, this couple that is on the rocks and they're not doing well gets advice from their therapist, which is which is Ted Danson, uh, to go to this uh, this house, like a, like a estate or a house, for the weekend to try to repair their marriage. That's the framework that gets them at the house. Mm-hmm. However, when they get to the house, um, they notice that when they go into the guest house adjacent to that, the regular house, there is an alternate version of their spouse there. And they decide to explore what that is. So I, that's, that's all we need to know, I think, 
to, to get the story going, right? Right. Okay. Um, so that explains, so that kind of, I think we've talked about it before. It's kind of brilliant uh, in the indie film world because instead of it feeling like just two actors, since there's multiple versions of the same actor, right. um, you know, we've actually doubled our characters. Well, without without they're doubled our characters without doubling our um, cast. cast, right? Yes. Yeah. And and it's it's it, it's very you can tell like the like the two of them really uh, got into um, playing the double versions of themselves, yeah. and you know they use the sort of tricks of like you know very simple tricks like um, Mark Duplass's double. His hair is done slightly differently, and the main version of him, sort of the the character of Ethan, um, Ethan Prime, we'll, we'll call him, um, is wears glasses, and so there's a constant like you know visual thing of we know which Ethan we're dealing with because Ethan Prime wears glasses, and you know uh, guest house Ethan does not, um, yeah. and his hair is same done thing. differently. Yeah, right. same thing. Elizabeth Moss, he has her hair pinned back with bobby pins in the guest mm -hmm. house. And and so you know that that's her, uh, and uh, yeah, there's some other tells in there, but I don't want to give away the whole movie. Uh, but yeah, and you also know because uh, you'll watch them. We'll, we'll get a little coverage of them going from the main house to the guest house to also prepare you. Mm -hmm. Doubles only appear in the guest house, right? Right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, only it, only in the guest house until the third act, yeah. um, and that was one of the things like we. We had trouble uh, tracking down the script for this because originally I just wanted to go at it from the script, but apparently there wasn't a script until the third act when they when they had to know what they were. The first two acts are improvised when you have the actors interacting with themselves and their doubles, but they're in a very they're in separated spaces. Um, where you have Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss like interacting are they are as the prime couple and also with the prime couple with one of the doubles. All of that stuff is improvised for the most part, but once they have to start acting off of like primes and doubles like of the same actor, then they needed to be scripted. And so only the third act apparently is scripted. And that is somewhere in the ether. Like they were using wow. a scriptment. Um, so, but it makes sense that it would be like that where you would only, I guess if you're doing like, you know, those um, improv movies that Duplass is sort of famous for, um, you know. And, and also this is like, we're talking about like two really, really solid actors who like knew the framework of the movie, mm -hmm. you know, they already were like into the concept, all of the scenes still work into the are we working on our relationship who are those other people mm -hmm. what's going on you know like so but I think that natural sense of discovery puts us uh in their shoes uh yeah. because we're learning it just as they're learning it I I just just in case somebody's like I'm gonna go shoot my own movie without a script right now I'd be like hold on <laughs> you know so look at your first one I'd be like wait, you want to wait yeah yeah uh, I'm always wary, but then again, you get some, there, there are some, I do know some like really talented improvers who can just go in and do stuff like that. I feel like movies like that are more of an editing exercise rather than sort of like a, like a screenwriting exercise. Yeah. And certainly that's, that's it, helpful if you just want to, if you're just wanting to get out there and shoot something and, you know, you want to work with certain actors and stuff like that. And you want everybody to feel collaborative because, you know, like, not that you can't with the script, but it, it's it's sort of a, a very very pure form of, of of filmmaking that I just don't know that that I'm that I'm that I'm ready for. Um, I'm just <laughs> that seems like chaos. not on something that long. Like if, yeah. if I do like a little like camera test or a mini story, yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, that seems just, so chaotic to me. Like oh yeah. my god. Um, um, but props to them. Uh, yeah, they just make that shit work. Um, but yeah, it's it's. But there's a lot of stuff that, that we can sort of glean from that that is like sort of screenwriting um, structure-wise and, and um, but just indie tricks and, and screenwriting tricks that you can use yourself um, with setups and payoffs. Um, the first thing that they start off with, which is, is it starts off with a, with a really great bit of, um, of screenwriting or uh, thing where they, they do a flashback that's not a flashback. Um, they start out talking about this, uh, they're in a therapy session with Ted Danson, um, and they're talking about how they met. And they talk about how they met, 
they got drunk-ish and then went to a pool that wasn't theirs. It was a neighbor or some person's pool and they jumped in. And while they're doing this, of course, they're doing show and not tell. They're, they're, well, they're also telling, but they're also doing show. They're showing them doing this. And you think that they're flashing back, but it's not a flashback. Well, it is, but it isn't. They are flashing back to what them trying to recreate this moment. Yeah. Like in the past, in the recent past of them trying to recreate this moment for their anniversary and how in their recreation of it, it does not match up to the original. So what they're doing is really giant masterclass in like exposition and tone. Um, It's fantastic. It just starts off with with a banger in terms of like, wow, hey, like here we go, like here we are, here's what we're doing. And they go to this house and they do this thing. What you think is a flashback is still a flashback, but it's not the flashback that you're thinking of. So automatically you're off balance. And then you're also, you're doing it, but then it also getting, setting the stage of where their marriage is, what their marriage was. And, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, and then you show them in their current state in the therapist's office, and then you just sort of leave it on with a beat. It's almost like a like a five minute short, uh, yeah. like a three to five minute, like a three to five minute short at the beginning of the film, and it's brilliant. Um, that's just brilliant, brilliant work all the way around. Um, and I just I love that. I, I'm like, I, when you start off with a banger like that, you're just like, holy shit. And I think I think that's where when somebody sits and says, "Oh, the script was improv." No, they knew when they were doing the script meant exactly mm-hmm. what they were trying to show and that's why i'm like i'm like don't just run off and try to shoot a feature without like really knowing the course right. of what you're trying to get at and and i think um yeah it's, it's it's really marvelous it's really informative and i think sometimes it's 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 a real economic way to set up the whole problem of the movie which is these people were in love once you know it was exciting thrilling everything they wanted it to be and it's not the same anymore um right. and like it's it's it tells us this story is about the relationship right you know and 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 that the you know they're not comfortable with the fact that the relationship is different now the other thing <clears throat> that that is that is not that, that is sort of inside of baseball about this scene is that here's ted denson's pretty much his only scene yeah. like this is his only scene in the movie basically he's not like ted danson's not in this movie like any any more than like the first five or six minutes right yeah they go to try to find him later and he's right and he's not there and it's it's poignant like that sort of thing but it's amazing that they're just doing this like we always talk about this thing where like you know the the rule is like oh you should get a celebrity cameo or something like you know so that you can put them on the poster like that sort of thing they yeah. always talk about that so you can put their name and be like, Ted Danson's in this movie? Um, and you have that, like, but like I said, he's only in this one scene and he's there just to not, like, he's got a sort of a role it's like, that- It's like Guy <clears throat> and Kurt Locker. Right. And he, um, he's he got a pretty, like, a I would say, I wouldn't say meaty, but it's significant. It's a significant role in the film, but then you never have to have him in the film ever again. Um, yeah. And even then, later on, when they do sort of <clears throat> have to have his voice in the film, like even when they do that, that's something I was talking to Dan Mervish. I went to go see his film, 18 and a Half, which is out right now. Um, you should try and find it if you're, because Dan's doing a tour of it. Um, nice. And I'll try to link something for Dan or something like that in the show notes or something like that. But anyway, Dan Mervish talks about um, getting um, Bruce Campbell in the move in, in 18 and a half as Richard Nixon and as a voice of Richard Nixon. And what he basically did is he got, you know, um, he did those things off of Zoom. And so if you can get a celebrity in the movie um, by using Zoom, like figure out a way to put a celebrity in the movie using Zoom and in a very specific instance, like yeah. they may be more willing to do that than to show up if it doesn't inconvenience them. Like they don't have to do anything. And a lot of people have these um, vo- vocal setups in their house because everybody's doing things off of Zoom now. And so, and especially if people do a lot of voice actor work, they may already have that set up in their house. So since they don't have to do anything except to do voiceover work and then just send you the files, if you can just get with them over Zoom and do that, then you may be able to get people that you normally wouldn't be able to get in the movie just because 
you know, you, you're like, I'm not asking you to come out anywhere and you really don't have to deal with SAG rules or anything like that because you're not having them show up anywhere except their house. You don't have to bust well, I mean, them anywhere. You have to deal with SAG. You have to deal with SAG, but you don't have to deal with like the, the transportation COVID, issues. Yeah, yeah right. None of that. Because they're not going, hopefully they're not going to catch COVID at their house. Well, if they do, it's not from the film. It's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But anyway, so like there, there are certain ways that you can do it. And this is one of the, one of the, a really great, um, example in the one I love of having Ted Danson show up for like one scene, uh, which I'm sure they shot in his house, um, because the rest of the movie is shot at Ted Danson's house. I think, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, well, there's one mini scene where they go to a diner. Yeah, there's uh, one. They, yeah, yeah. So once they once they discover there's there's two doppelgangers of themselves in the guest house, the initial reaction is let's leave this place, which makes yeah. sense. Um, <laughs> And they go to a diner. Yeah, they're just like, um, no, which is my sort of thing. And that's one of the other things that I love. I love real moments in a, in a, in a, in a movie where they're just like, no, we don't understand this. The universe is breaking. Let's go. Yeah. Um, like, yes, like immediately. That's what you would do. You're like, okay, let's go. And then they actually have a realistic conversation about it. Like, they're just like, that was weird, right? Where, like, did, was, did we open up a hole in the universe was yeah. it like what happened what and they're just like you know but then elizabeth moth is just like maybe we should maybe we should see how how far down the hole goes and he's just kind of like and you i can at least see it from that perspective although my initial thing is to be like no well right right i think i think i think most of us would see yeah. that going having uh, escaped no. from the break in the universe i'm like no let's not go back to the hole <laughs> But I think I think it also Stephen makes King sense. has taught us well. We do not go back to breaks in the universe. But, but I'm going to argue. I think it was set up really well for both their characters in the beginning. Uh -huh. Their relationship was kind of founded on doing things that were a little bit risque. Right. They right. were running around and jumping into people like mm -hmm. these pools in the backyard. So now yes, it feels like this is another example of them trying to jump into the pool. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and and Elizabeth Moss is like, I'm excited again. Yes, exactly. And he's so, like, willing, and they show that he's willing to do anything to sort of get back into her good graces because he has cheated on her. That's like the thing. That's not a spoiler, but he has cheated on her. Um, and he's trying to figure out any way that he can make it up to this woman, but he's also not ready to make it up to this woman. He's not willing to admit like culpability yet, but he is sorry. And that's a really yeah. important distinction for his character. Um, and that's that's a really great place to be. Uh, I feel it's very human. And that's mm -hmm. a, it's something also screenwriting wise that like, you know, it like, where is this character in this point? Okay, he's sorry about what he did. He wants to make her happy, but he's not willing to accept responsibility. Like, right. we, like and I feel like it's very human because he's, you know, he does that thing that we all do when, when we've wronged somebody. Like, we want to remind them that their side of the street also had trash. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like you were also, like, the street sweepers were not happy about your side of the street also, okay? Yeah, like, I right. know that, like, I had a dumpster fire, but you also had some trash, okay? Right, like, <laughs> right, right, right. He was definitely, he's definitely going the both sides route. Right, yeah. right, right. So, uh, yeah, and there's, like... You know, the other thing that they're doing is they're using, um, you know, the locations to sort of set up, um, you know, like where we are. They're using a lot of geo like geography within the place. And this mm -hmm. is something that we talked about doing, too. When you have like a one location film, you know, you want to set up like certain, mini locations. Yeah, like mini locations sub -sub within locations. the same locations. Right. And this place and this movie is full of it. Like there's the kitchen which is the central point where it seems to be a point of like where they're confronting people. There's a lot of confronting in the kitchen. Um, and then you have the, the living room, which definitely feels like this parlor of in hell. Um, like every time, like there's stuff going on in there. Is just yeah, like, I just want to say in the first night, Elizabeth Moth gets Ethan, uh, sorry, Mark to class to smoke weed and he's kind of too high and miserable in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then she rolls out, and then the guest house is like, and the, the, I, has there ever been a movie where they've been able to turn like a like a guest house that feels almost like a like a dimensional nexus? Has, has this there, one? This one. 
It's so uh, weird, right? Because you're looking at it and it's just like a, a, a fucking, it's just a guest house. But when you go into it, they definitely make it out like it has these ethereal qualities to it. They're doing it on purpose. Yeah. And it's not just a filmmaking thing, but they're also doing it as a, um, as, as like a screenwriting thing. Like they're also writing it like the way the scenes that they've written there have this, have their own reality. Like mm -hmm. they're allowed to have their own sort of, this is how it is in the guest house. And then when you get back to the main house, like we're back into normal reality. Um, and that's a very important distinction that they're doing like in this thing. Um, not to mention, you know, the, like meeting the characters and stuff like that. It's just really smart work all the way yeah. around. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think that, I think we're, this is very successful. And I think a lot of screenwriting folk, <clears throat> the lesson we can learn from that is how much you could play with story in a mm -hmm. location like that by just making sure the situation is really, 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 um, on your premise like on the conflict and on mm -hmm. the premise you know if they decided that these guys went into the guest house and there was two new set of actors that represented their other partners <laughs> you know it it wouldn't have had the same impact as it being the same person right you no know, but the you know the more idealized version of them you know and um it's things like that where you know they kind of took the same idea and boiled it down and boiled it down to just just like just this and explore it and i think since they knew very much what this movie was they could make all these individual things so individualistic and interesting because they're mm -hmm. like exactly like you're like kitchen is for a confrontation the parlor is for hell you know they knew right to do all these things <clears throat> and i would even say outside there's several scenes that are outside like there's like an orchard outside mm -hmm. and you know that's often like this limbo area yes um, because it's between the two and there's this one I still burned in my brain where Mark Duplass is just sitting out there and he picks up an orange orange yeah he's picking yeah, up, he picks the, up an orange <laughs> and he just looks at it in the tree he just throws it on the ground he's so pissed throws it he's to the like ground. stuck yeah. out there in limbo like this yeah. whole yes it's so great and then there's another thing where they're just like the the uh the travel between the guest house and the regular house becomes like this gateway between like the real world and the not real world um and the um and it's just it, it's it's very thematic but it's it's that's something that seems to be designed that way in the text um yeah. and so you have to know that kind of stuff you have to and you have to design that kind of thing like you are really just dealing with this one mo main location and but they're doing so much work with it and that's the kind of work that has to be done on the page before you get to anything else like that like you have to do that work kind of like automatically and it's just it's brilliant stuff yeah. Um, I, I just, it's, it's fucking awesome. It really, really is fucking awesome. Um, I really enjoy the film. Uh, I've, I've seen them, I, I, you know, I've seen the movie several times and I've never get tired of it. Like it's one yeah. of those films that like every time I watch it, I see something new, um, both from an independent film sort of, uh, way, but also from, a um, like a, you know, like a seeing like something in the characters, seeing something um, like uh, in the in the performances, in the subtext. There's something you there's something that you can glean every single time you watch this movie. It's fantastic to watch. And you know, it's, I'm gonna say it's fantastic to watch, but it's also fantastic uh, to make somebody else watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I had my 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 partner Celia. She uh, uh, she caught it well after I had seen it I think on HBO Max or something and it had just pulled her in um you know so hard and I love I love watching folks who aren't necessarily in the film industry just you know be engaged as an audience and mm -hmm. uh you know it's it's really great that at no point was she like looking over to me and being like oh low budget you know indie filmmaking she was right. just like no but she was just like what is happening to these people oh right. my god you know what is happening in that guest house you know and i think they picked a premise that was just really right mm -hmm. and this um, is what we, a lot of the things where you get that note that where people are always talking about like this is execution dependent um you know and it certainly is but this is the type of thing where like that just um, means they don't trust you to execute right. <laughs> that's all they need They're like if i was steven Spielberg. They'd be like, yeah, I just saw you do an iPhone movie of Mumford and Sons. I think you can do, you know, whatever yeah, you want. Right. Yeah. Um, no, but what they're saying is they don't they don't have any faith in you. Right. Uh, 
but it is definitely a, a, a premise that like it's a premise and a movie that you should um sort of give a, a look to there's there's a there is inside of this indie film inside of the inspiration of this indie film are is is a as a film that you can write is a film that you can make yourself i yes. guarantee it um, you should watch this movie because I guarantee you, you will be inspired to make your own film. You can, you can see something. And we all have one of these in us. I really feel like as screenwriters, the one I love, there is something in this for us. And so you really should sit down and take a look at it. Um, it is also our resource of the week. It is on HBO Max. While there will be a link uh, to it in the show notes. I think you should find it. Um, I'll also see if it's on Tubi or Crackle or any of those other places, Peacock. I'll see where it is for streaming and I'll, I'll any yeah. links where I can find it besides HBO Max, you know, just in case you don't have yeah, HBO Max. Have if you do, things. you know, yeah. from a filmmaking perspective, I, I really feel like the film catalog, like the, like the film school catalog, if you're looking for movies that you would only be able to watch in a film school, um, it used to be Netflix, but it is now firmly HBO Max. Um, I really well, they, have, they have that they have that Turner Classic Movie uh, channel, yes, hub, channel hub, well. yeah. Um, so bunch, oh, they have a bunch of Bogarts right now, so enjoy. Yeah, that. I just watched Key Largo. Yeah, if you're if you ever wanted to watch all the films that people tell you to watch in like you know film school, like the Forty Four Blows and the Forty Four Hundred, is it Forty Four Hundred? Oh God, I'm just butchering that. That Truffaut movie, I'm gonna look it up. I actually didn't have to see that in film school. Not saying that that would be a pain. I just, uh, yeah, it wasn't. We were, we didn't watch that one. Uh, but there's always four hundred blows. Four hundred blows. Yeah, we had to watch yes. blow up. Um, if you're, yeah. if you're, you know, those movies and stuff uh, that they ask you to watch, like the four hundred blows, Jules A. Jim, um, the Bicycle Thief, all those movies are on HBO Max. Um, so, you know, the, you can watch them just so whenever you get into these dick measuring contests, you know, and like filmmaker, like, they, oh, have you seen the, yes, I have. It's on HBO Max, suck a dick. Um, you know? Yeah. 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 So. Uh, uh, I also want to say, since we're talking up HBO Max, which is a great, uh, they don't pay us to say that it's. No, they don't. App, but it is, it is a lovely, lovely library. Uh, Mark Duplass has another film on there. I recommended oh, it a yes, while and, ago. Yes, I, uh, I, I, I did Natalie watch that Morales. this week. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's its spiritual uh, successor to The One I Love because it is uh, it is, is pandemic friendly. It's all done over Zoom screens and it's two characters in different locations connecting via Zoom screens. So you may find if uh, One I Love gives you inspiration, language lessons will probably also um, inspire you as well because it's about two people who connect over Zoom um, and they have two locations because each character is in a different location but it's yeah, still but all that limited it's still, yeah, on the it's thing. riveting stuff yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's and then that, that one is just is literally just two locations and that's going to take us into um, what are we watching, consuming, writing this week um, I am currently uh, writing my uh, iPhone movie but I'm also getting gearing up for my uh, the short that we um uh, critiqued a few weeks back, um, my five-minute short. We'll be shooting that next week. I'm very excited about that, uh, Kate Tuxford. But I, I did take your advice, and I watched Language Lessons this week, and I and I cried. Um, Thank you. Thank I, you. Yeah, it was. It's such a beautiful film, um, and it is really, really great in terms of uh, like you know, like character reveals, and it's doing a lot um, with. A very simple premise. The Zoom premise of it uh, never becomes um, tedious or tired. And the performances, although I will say that Natalie Morales, as much as I love Mark Duplass, Natalie Morales is acting hearts, acting circles around him. She's 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 so much work. Oh yeah, she's great. She's There's doing that so one much scene work. Where she's tipsy and playing the guitar. Oh my god, she's amazing in that it's scene. Amazing scene. Uh, that alone is worthwhile. Oh me. my god, that just getting to that, and then you're just like, is that? Uh, it's it's such an important scene in the film. I don't even want to ruin it. It's it's fantastic. Um, and then like her being like, you know, you know, sort of hitting him with that 
the the thing of like him like his white savior like uh sort of guilt and she's just like you know this is why you know i have this on my face like that sort of thing you like that you know letting him she deliberately i don't want to reveal it to everybody no yeah. i know i know she deliberately let him walk himself into it like a thing you know what i mean but it was it's it's really great it's yeah. uh, it's it's fantastic stuff and then the ending was kind of killer too it was just like, oh shit yeah, it, exactly. And again, it's one of those things, I'm sure, since they're both talented, there was a lot of improv in some of those monologues to one another, but they knew, you know, from the beginning exactly where they were going. Right. I think the, the ending of Language Lessons is a reverse of the one I love, because yeah. it's very, like, it's like, um, like it's a it's a reverse of the one I love's beginning. It's a masterclass because you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this is going to be really cringy, and then it, may, it turns into something that's completely amazing. And you're like, holy shit! Oh god! Oh god damn it! They got me! Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. crying now. I'm crying. Ladies and gentlemen, they got me. Yeah, they got me. Yeah, son of a bitch. All right, and what were you? No, they're they're pure stuff, and I I think it's always nice. Uh, I'm always pleased with du the Duplass brothers' work because. They preach, they do what they preach. Yeah, you know? they, yeah they practice what they preach. If they, you've ever you know, read they, their book, I've read their book, uh, Like yeah. Brothers, they very much practice what they preach. Um, and they're, uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why I love their stuff. If you've ever done, even the stuff that they're not in, like The Overnight um, mm -hmm. and like Tangerine and like the, the stuff that they produce also follows their like sort of manifesto, their sort of Duplassian like like the Dogma 95 uh, manifesto, they have a Duplassian manifesto of like how to make indie films and they practice what they preach. They never come out of pocket in terms of that kind of stuff. Like Blue Jay is a perfect example of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, you know, just, and especially the one I love, especially the one I love. Um, but yeah, this is a sort of, again, like right in their, their, their wool box and they just sort of knock that shit out of the park. Yeah, exactly. What did you, uh, what are you consuming this week, Kay Tuxford? Uh, that's an excellent question. Um, I did not watch much this week. I, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm now thinking about it because I didn't write it down ahead of time. Uh, so, I'm almost done with Strange New Worlds and... Oh my. Yeah, I haven't Then you'll be in a show it. hole. I know. You just want to save it. I do, and I'm so I'm struggling with that. I'm like one, <laughs> one. Okay, it's good. We're good. Um, yeah, you don't want to binge it. You're like, no, 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 no. I'll just save it. I'm gonna I'll save just it. save it. Um, we have to jump into Better Call Saul because it's a, it's out now. So I guess I'll have to just do it now that the the, the whole thing is done. I'll, I'll have to watch the it's whole. It's good. Thing. It's good. It's um, it's it's uh it's rich in character. It's it's interesting. It's you. You know, I know some people who compare it to Breaking Bad and, you know, it's all... Yeah, I think I just have to Bad. let go of that and be what, let it be what it is. But, but I, I think, will... yeah, if you let it be what it is, it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And when you gotta, you gotta go through with the Kate Tuxford uh, words of wisdom in a world of Damon Lindelof's Be a Vince Gilligan. <laughs> I still stand by that. Um, partly because I... I want that on a t-shirt so bad. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. And, and this is just wear me, you know. Um, oh my god. I'm an opinionated jerk. First of all, Lindelof <laughs> doesn't need my support. Uh, he's fine. Oh, um, world of David Lindelof's be a Vince Gilligan. That's my favorite was, thing that you've ever said. But I was gonna say, compare the lost ending to yeah, the I know, bad I know, ending. I know. It's just... It's just, uh, you know, one, you can be, you're just like, ah, you just didn't know what to do. Uh, and you, then you turn to the fans. Uh, and and Vince Gilligan, you know, was more like this it's perfect. It's, it's showrunner. It's just like, perfect. I know what I'm doing. I, I know what I'm doing. I know what the yeah. fuck I'm doing. And you set it up, like, at the beginning of, like, season five. Yeah, he knew, like, exactly. Holy he knew where he was going to go. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my so god. So there you go. I'm just yeah. saying, but Damon Lindelof, he's fine. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> somebody's gonna say something. Somebody's gonna listen to this and hear it. And then like it's gonna get around. It's gonna be one of those things. And you're not gonna think anything of it till you'll be you'll be sitting in a meeting. Like you'll do delivery 
and like delivery will be like the toast of the town. People will be like, gay, queer, like representation would be fantastic. And you'll be doing these things. And then you'll be sitting on a panel or something like that. And it'll be moderated by Damon Lindelof. And I'm telling you, you better, you better heed my words because this is going to happen to you. And you're going to, you're going to be like, Rob was fucking right. And I hate him for it. But you're going to be sitting on a panel moderated by Damon Lindelof. And you're going to say something. He's not going to say anything about it. He's not going to, he's not going to let you know that he knows he's going to wait until you like something innocuous will happen somebody will ask a question that will set him the fuck up and it'll be probably be a plant by Lindelof and it'll, it'll put somebody in the audience just he for, doesn't plant things though, <laughs> so it's not gonna happen but it'll be a plant someone will send him off and then he'll be like well you know what Kate Tuxford would say in a world full of Damon Lindelof's be a Vince Gilligan and your face in front of an audience full of people <laughs> will be so fucking red, David, the like K-Talk It'll be so fucking red. And I'm going to be like, I knew it was going to happen. I called this, called it. And I you're going to be like, <laughs> I will stand up and slow clap Damon Lindelof. And I'll be like, I am, I'm honored. I'm honored to have had all this living rents free in your head. Um, <laughs> Next day, I need to get into Christopher Nolan's head. Oh uh, my god, yeah. we haven't laughed this much since the fucking Elevengeance episode. This oh is my god, amazing. the Elevengeance episode. Oh I... my god, that jumped up. Like the funny episodes always were uh, rated higher than anything else on this podcast. Like that I one guess jumped it up. Be funny. Yeah, it should be more funny. Uh, uh okay, all right. Uh, and that is our show. Screenwriting from the Trenches can currently be found on Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, as well as KevinLMartin.com. And since we already do a podcast and a funny podcast, apparently, we'd appreciate it if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars, whatever platform you patronize because... Algorithms. For questions that are so that we can and will answer on the show, email me at Rob at RobWithRespectableMofo.com. You can also find us on Twitter. I am at RespectableMofo. I am at K underscore Tux. And these things, as well as my YouTube channel, where we have the digital series, How to Make a Movie for $1,000, which is about to really ramp up into gear, considering we're shooting a short for it next week. Um, we'll all be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. K Tuxford, when it comes to podcasts, you are the one I love. Oh. You're okay. <laughs> it's Vince Gilligan, Damon Lindelof, then you. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Jesus Christ.